Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hello, hello. Oh, hey girl. How's it going? Thank you, sir. That is perfect. How's it going? Good. Okay, I am going to just like dive in here. You guys look at this. Look at I can't even handle that. Uh, Okay, I'm just going to dive right in because I don't have much time. And actually, the timer says zero, so I think that means I can just talk all night. But I kind of was thinking tonight, like, wouldn't it be fun? Okay, I'm pregnant in case you didn't know. Got a baby girl coming. Um, And you know how when you're, like, pregnant, people say you can eat for two? I kind of wish I could, like, preach for two and be like, I'd get, like, a couple extra minutes. Right, Peyton? Right? Like, the baby has something to say. Like, I feel like, is that not... No? Yes? No? Okay. Okay. Well, I'll just (laughs) dive right in. That's not going to happen. Okay, so tonight we are talking about the fact that we are here to impact. We're talking about the fact that we as the church, when we experience the impact of the gospel, we can't help but live lives of impact for the kingdom. Right? Doesn't that just make sense? So when our lives have been radically transformed by Jesus, when we have encountered the gospel and our lives are radically different, then we just can't help but live lives of impact. Have you ever had an experience, maybe it's something you went through or something that you read or saw that you're like, this is just rocking my world. Maybe like for the good, maybe for the bad, but it just kind of changes the lens that you see everything through. I have a friend who is like really, really bad at this. Her name is Katie, and we've been best friends since we were three years old. So we've lived a lot of life together. And she will, I can tell what she is spending her time reading or watching because everything goes back to that. When we were in high school, it was like some magazine. I don't even know what it was, but everything she said, she'd be like, you know, in my magazine, it says blah, blah, blah. And we were like, I don't care about your magazine. Or she got really into the show Dawson's Creek. Do y'all, have y'all even heard of Dawson's Creek? Do you know Dawson's Creek? That makes me really old. But everything, I would like say something or be like, I have this boy drama or I have this friend drama or whatever. She'd be like, you know what Dawson would do on Dawson's Creek. And I'm like, I No, what? I don't know. Why does that matter? Do you ever have that? Like you see something or you watch something or you read something and it just like becomes the lens that you see everything through for better or worse. Okay. So anybody saw, see the movie, A Quiet Place? Did you see that? Okay. Y'all, that movie messed me up. Like I, I mean, Jim Halper, yes, please. But other than that, that movie messed me up because everything after that, I was like, I gotta take my earrings out. I do this every time because it gets crazy. I'm not gonna fight. I'm just gonna take my earrings out. Um, But that movie messed me up because after that, it was like all I could think about was oh, and I'm popping. Um, All I could think about was like, oh my goodness, what if that was now? I remember like the next day, I was sitting outside and my son, he's two years old, he's like playing with his. He calls it a bazolder instead of a bulldozer. It's really cute. And so he's playing with his bazolder, and he, like, made a sound, and I was like, no! And he was like, what? Mom, what? And I was like, oh, wait. 
no, it's okay. There's not like scary monsters that are going to come get you if you make a sound. Like, it's totally fine. And then at dinner that night, my husband, he's kind of like a loud chewer. Don't tell him I said that because um, I haven't told him yet. Um, but he was like chewing really loudly. And in my head, I'm like, you will never make it in that world. Like, they will come for you. And I am going to run the other way because sorry about you. You're just in trouble. Like, I don't know what to tell you. But it's like things like that that you see or you experience, and it's like, I can't think about anything else. Like, this just rules my life. And so we're talking about an experience like that in the book of Acts, in Acts 3. So here's what's happening in Acts 3. Jesus has been on earth. He lived his life. He impacted thousands of lives by performing miracles and by teaching and just changing lives with the way that he loved people. And so all of these people, the early church, they saw that. These disciples especially, they saw all of that. Flash forward, then the early church forms. Peyton talked about this last week in Acts 2. Um, the early church forms, and so all of these people are starting to spread the gospel. They're starting to tell people about Jesus. And it's spreading like wildfire because they have seen and experienced the gospel through Jesus, and they just can't help but live lives of impact. So they've seen it, and it just changes the lens that they see everything through. So that's what happens when we get to Acts 3. So we get to Acts 3, and we're talking about um, two of the disciples, Peter and John, and this encounter that they have. And we're going to see how because their lives were radically impacted by Jesus— they now can't help but live lives of impact. And it's not just this thing that I'm really guilty of where it's like, okay, I'm going to live a life of impact. That's so great. And I'm going to do it Tuesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. at Watered Gardens. And it's going to be so great. Like, I'm going to live this life of impact for two hours a week. It's going to be so great. Like, anybody guilty of that? I'm really guilty of that. For them, that's not the case. Because when your life has been so radically impacted by the gospel, then your life just reflects that. Your life just begins to impact others for the sake of the kingdom. And that's what happens in Acts 3. The thing I love about the story, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're just going to talk through this. The thing I love about this is this is a random encounter. Random, you know, as far as... God's random, which is not that much. Um, but to them, it's random. It's not something that they plan. It's not like we're going to have this church service or we're going to serve, you know, all these people come and, you know, eat these sandwiches for Jesus or something. Like, it's not this thing that they plan. It's this thing that just happens to them as they are on their way to church. Okay, so we are going to read verses 1 through 4. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and he said, look at us. Okay, I have to tell you, there's a phrase in here that basically has defined the entire way I do the ministry that I do. I Love it so much. So I want to ask you, Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple to pray, okay? They're like, we are going to do the Lord's work. Here's where we're going. We're going to pray. We're on our way to church, basically. This is what we're going to do. And they pass by a guy who can't walk. He's been lame since birth. He's laying outside of the temple, which is smart. If you're begging for money, 
like, do it outside of church, right? Like, people are obviously, Christians feel guilty about things, so they're going to do it. Um, and so he's asking for money outside of the temple. And Peter and John walk past him. And he's begging for money, and it says, what does it say? Do Peter and John just glance at him? Do they just kind of happen to see him? No, it says they directed their gaze at him. That is my favorite phrase. If I ever write a book, that's going to be the title. Don't steal that because I will be mad at you. But that, I love that. It says Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Here's the thing. We as believers so many times get so, for a lot of different reasons, we get overwhelmed with the hurt of the world, we get overwhelmed with the pain, we get overwhelmed with all of these things, we get busy, we don't want to have, we don't want to stop and make time for people who are hurting, whatever the reason is, we just kind of put these blinders on, and we say, if I can just get to church on time, if I can just do what I'm supposed to do, if I can just live my life, do whatever, then I can survive. But what I love here is it doesn't say Peter and John just happened to look at this guy or this guy threw himself in front of them and they had no choice but to look at him. It said Peter directed his gaze at this man, which means that his eyes locked this with this man's eyes. And they had this moment that you have with someone when you make direct eye contact. Raise your hand if you have ever driven past a homeless person holding a sign and you were like, dear Jesus, do not let him look at me. I will put my eyes down. I will get my phone out. I will pretend like I'm changing the temperature for the entire time. Guilty. I am guilty of that. That happens to us. We do that because we don't want... There's something about when we lock eyes with someone, when we direct our gaze at someone, that we have to then enter into their story, that we have to then become a part of what is happening in their world. And that scares us. We don't want to do that. I feel that. But sometimes I believe a lot of times that the Holy Spirit is saying to us, hey, church, Stop acting like these people I have placed around you in your atmosphere, in your environment, don't need you because I have put them there for a reason. I have put them there so that you would direct your gaze at them, so that you would see their story, so that you would see them for who they really are instead of just some random person that needs help or some random homeless person or some random person in your class who annoys you or something like that. Your eyes need to be directed at the people that God has put in your path to impact. So I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you. Next time you're sitting in class and someone is annoying you, or you're like, oh my gosh, they have weird clothes on her. I don't really like them. Just lock eyes with them and ask the Holy Spirit to do something in that moment that is bigger than yourself. I will tell you, that is a really terrifying thing to do. When we first moved here, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a job yet. I, we didn't have kids. I didn't know what to do. So one day, I'm just driving, and I pull up to, um, like, right by Culver's. I'm, like, turning right by Culver's, okay? And there's a guy standing there, and he has his dog, and he has a sign, and he's, like, asking for money. And in my head, like I, you know, always do, the good community impact minister that I am, I'm like, oh, my gosh, do not look at this person. Like, please don't. And then the Holy Spirit said, I want you to look him in the eyes. Just look him in the eyes, which is a very dangerous thing to do. So I did, and as soon as I did, 
I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. It wasn't something magical. It wasn't something that I did or that he did. I just thought, man, I am in this now. Like, I am a part of your story now. And something about the Holy Spirit drew me to him just by simply locking eyes. So I pulled over, got out of my car. I had a conversation with him. He was hungry. I got him Culver's. I was hungry, too, because it's Culver's, and I'm always hungry. So I got food, too, and we just started talking. Here's the deal. I didn't change that man's life. Nothing crazy happened. I'm no kind of saint because I did that. I just knew the Holy Spirit was calling me to be a part, to just step into his story for a minute. So we sat there. We had this great talk. He had this dog. He was so upset because he didn't have food for his dog. And I was like, here we go again. All I did was lock eyes, and now I'm driving to Walmart to get this man dog food. I don't have a dog. I don't know anything about dogs. So I bought dog food. I take it back. His name is Dewey. This man's name is Dewey, by the way, which I think is a really precious name. And so I am talking to Dewey, and I got him this dog food, and it wasn't the right kind that he wanted, but he was really gracious and kind to me about it. And so we talked some more. And I'll be honest, I was able to share the love of Jesus with him. And here's the deal. I never saw him again. This is not me saying, I wish that I could say, and then Dewey moved into our house with us, and then it was this magical story, and it was on the Today Show, and it's so great, and now he, like, owns his own business and all this stuff. It didn't happen like that. I never saw Dewey again, ever. But something happened in that moment. I'm praying that the Lord used that conversation in his life, because I know the Lord used it in my life. Something happened when the Holy Spirit said, look this man in the eyes, because he's my child. The same way your child, you're my child, he's my child, and he deserves that eye contact. And that's what I love about this part in the story, is that it says Peter directed his gaze at him. He could have kept walking. He could have said, we're going to pray, bro. I don't have time for you. I'm going to pray to God, the like big one. Yeah, this is important. He could have said that, but he didn't. He directed his gaze. And I think that the Holy Spirit can move in a huge, huge way when we recognize people for who they are as children of God in the same way we are. Okay, let's keep going. I'm gonna need those couple extra minutes, Peyton, for the baby to say a few things. Um, okay, verse five. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Man, I love this part of the story too. Okay, so this man is asking for money. Let's, let's be a sociology class together right now. Okay, what's going to happen? This man can't walk, which means he probably can't do what else? Anything. Drive. He, drive. Well, not many people are driving in the Bible, but that's true. He can't drive. <laughs> that's true, Libby. Very true. Okay. Um, he can't ride his donkey very well by himself is what you meant. Um, see, he can't, what else can he not do? We can't work. And if you can't work, what else can you not do? You can't have money. You probably can't eat if you can't work. Okay, so here's the deal. He's begging. He's saying, hey, I need some money. I'm guessing that he's asking money, asking for money so that he can eat because he probably has no money, because he probably has no job, because he can't walk. So he's asking for money. And here's the thing. Let me say this. I am not telling you 
to not give money to people on the side of the road. That is between you and Jesus. Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit says yes. Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit says no. I think you need to ask in that moment. Side note, that was free. Um, Here's what is happening. Is that Peter and John know. They know. If we give this man money, then... We're free. We can walk away. We did our good deed of the day. But where is that man going to be tomorrow? Right there. Right there. Back in the exact same spot. So Peter and John, don't just offer him something that's a Band-Aid on a giant open wound. They say, you know what? We saw Jesus impact lives in a huge way that radically changed everything for them. And I believe that this is what we can do for this man. They saw Jesus do this over and over again because when we experience the impact of the gospel, we can't help but live lives of impact for the kingdom. So they offered him healing, true healing. I love the way that this is written, that it says, he fixed his attention on them, blah, 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 I have no silver and gold, blah, 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 blah. And he took them by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up, He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Again, this is not saying, if you see a homeless person on the side of the road, don't give them money, give them healing for their legs. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think that there is context in your context that you can use this. There are so many things that we want to do to help people, whether it's people in your school, people in your family, people in your community. So many things that we want to do that just like feel good for us or that we can check off and we can say, good for me, I gave that person this thing. We say, I don't even know what an example is, all of these things that we say, I did that great, look at what I did. I did that great thing. There's all these books that we um, read like on our team and stuff and they talk about mission trips and stuff and it's like, we, yeah, all these Americans, we wanna go on mission trips and do all this great stuff so we're gonna paint that fence for you and the missionary's like, fantastic, you're the 15th group this summer to paint the dang fence. Like, I don't want you to paint the dang fence. I want you to ask me what I need kind of thing. And that's what we need to do. That's what happens here. And so if we look at the lives of the people around us and instead of saying, what is going to make me feel good or make me feel like I did something right, we can say, okay, what is it? What is going to radically impact your life for the kingdom? And what can I do in that situation to make that happen? That I think is what God is calling us to do. Okay. I gotta really keep going. I'm not gonna tell that story. Okay, verses eight through 10. And leaping up, we read this, but I love this part. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. First of all, huh, Peter and John don't just say, hey, here's the deal. We healed you. Congratulations. You can walk now. End of story. No, they make sure this man knows who it was that gave them the power to do that. They make sure he understands that this was not a good deed that they did. This was not charity that he offered to them. This was the Lord working huge in his life. This was the Lord doing something that only he can do. He gave glory to God, and people saw it. Can you imagine 
all these people, it's probably a small community, all these people see this man at the temple every single day, and they're like, that man can't walk. Every single day they see this man can't walk, this man can't walk. And then all of a sudden, if for years and years you see somebody that can't walk, and all of a sudden he's like, what's up? Going to the temple to pray. How you doing? Walking? Like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. You know that those people are like, what is going on? And they find out that the Lord did this, that it's because of the Lord's mercy and his grace and his power that this guy's life is radically, radically transformed. I, if we offer just a lot of good deeds to people. If we just do a lot of really good things for people, that's fine. That's charity, and charity is fine. But if we can offer something greater, if we can offer them Jesus, then that's kingdom work. That's not charity, that's kingdom work. And charity has a temporary outcome. But kingdom work has an eternal impact. I don't believe that the Lord is calling us as the church to make people's earthly lives better. I don't think that's justice. I think the Lord is calling us as the church to make eternal lives begin. And if we offer these good works to people without offering the hope of Jesus, then we miss out completely on what God is calling us to do. I wanna tell you a quick story. So I get to work a lot with right here, right now. If you know Sherry, Sherry Everett, the best. Um, She works a lot with right here, right now. And so there was a situation recently. If you don't know where you're at right now, as people in our church can submit requests for other people in our community that may need some financial help. So there was this lady in our church that is a foster mom, okay? So here's the foster mom. She has two kids in foster care in her home. Those two kids have their biological mom over here. As you can imagine, a lot of times there's a lot of tension between foster parents and biological parents because kids in foster care a lot of times are coming with baggage and wounds that aren't their fault. Sometimes it's the fault of the bio parents. Sometimes it's not. But a lot of times that relationship is unhealthy. But this foster mom, she sees foster care as her ministry. And not just to those kids in her house, but to the entire family that's being impacted. This foster mom, I I can't even go into all the things, all the ways that the Lord has impacted her life. That the Lord has changed her heart. And because of that, she can't help but live a life of impact. So she knew that this bio mom was struggling, that she was having a hard time. She couldn't get to work. And again, when you can't get to work, you can't get paid. When you can't get paid, you can't take care of your kids. And if you can't take care of your kids, you can't get your kids back into your home, which is not going to help you go anywhere in life. If you're so depressed, you don't have custody of your kids. So she knew, you know what, this lady, she doesn't have transportation. And this is like a lot of times I said, a rocky relationship. But this foster mom said, okay, what can we do as a church that can show this woman that Jesus has not abandoned her and has not left her. And even though she hasn't made the best decisions, that he still loves her and he can redeem her story. So she filled out a right here, right now request for this bio mom. And she said, I'm just going to be really honest. She needs a car. I know that's a really big request. A lot of times we pay like electric bills or water bills or things like that. But she's like, I'm going to ask that, that we get a car for her. And what happened is what always happens is every time we get a request for the car within a couple of hours 
or days or whatever, we get a call from somebody that says, hey, I'd like to donate a car. Now, don't everybody fill out a request for a car because it's not going to happen, okay? As soon as I say that, you're all going to test me on it. But it happened. Somebody said, I have a car. I need to donate. And so we're like, okay, God, here you go. Again, like showing how awesome you are. And so here we have this bio mom who feels like her life is over because she can not take care of her kids. She has to look her kids in the eye when she has visits and she has to say, I can't do it yet. The judge isn't letting you come back yet because I haven't gotten to a place where I can take care of you. But here's this foster mom whose life has been radically changed by the gospel saying, I can't help but live a life of impact and I can't help but impact you for the kingdom because that's what God did for me. And so I just remember this moment a couple months ago. We're sitting in one of our offices and this foster mom has brought this bio mom to us and she's picking up her car and she's, we're sitting there doing all this paperwork, like getting her insurance and filling out the title and all of these things. And we're just filling this out and this bio mom just bursts into tears. And so I say, like, what is it? What's going on? And she says, I just told her, I just told my kid's foster mom that I'm pretty sure I've done enough bad things that God is done with me. Then when I ask him to bring my kids back, when I ask him to give me transportation, when I ask him to let me keep my job, that he's just done listening because I've messed up enough times. And she said, but she, pointing to the foster mom, she said, you need to know that God never gave up on me and he's not giving up on you. And there is this random church in the middle of a cow pasture in Orinoco who cares enough about you that we want to make it happen, that you can have a car, that you can keep your job, that you can keep working, and one day you can get your kids back. Because that's what happens. When our lives are so radically changed by the gospel, we can't help but live lives of impact. And that's exactly what this foster mom did. And her, this bio mom, her story is still being written. She is still working. She's kept her job. She's still working to get her kids back. And someday, I believe that through the grace of God, she's going to be able to look her kids in the eye and she's going to be able to say, I couldn't do this on my own and I messed up. But the Lord is gracious and he is good and he cares about us and he doesn't abandon us. She's going to tell her kids that. And someday she's going to tell her coworker that. And someday she's going to tell her neighbor that. And that story is just going to continue to trickle out the same way it did in the book of Acts. So where is the Lord calling you to impact? What, who is in your atmosphere, in your sphere, that God is saying, don't just glance over them. Don't just look away. Direct your gaze at them. Step into their story. Because I have impacted your life through my son. How can you impact theirs for the sake of the kingdom? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would put people in our path. That you want us to share your love with. That God, that, that we can share stories from scripture. We can share stories from our own lives of ways that you have radically changed us so that they can know that you are ready to radically change them. We love you. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. 
We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.